All right, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 8 this morning. Jeremiah chapter 8. As we're going through the book of Jeremiah, I like to, I try to, uh, normally when I'm preaching, to not kind of get stuck in a rut of generally the same topic every week. And sometimes when you're doing a book study, you're going through a book, it, it, the topic is obviously, it's, it's, it is somewhat the same every week. It is, it's, it's flowing, it's moving, it's transitioning. But uh, I also feel like sometimes, especially in Jeremiah, there is a lot of, of harsh or negative uh, if I can use the modern term, negative energy in Jeremiah, uh, where there's there's wrath coming, there's judgment coming, and things like that, and and uh, and so I like to take sections of the chapter and try to do my best to give us make sure that we're not just constantly being beaten, uh, but we're also getting some encouragement as well. I don't know that today is that day, but uh, nonetheless, I want us to look at just a couple of verses and look at a wrong response to trouble. A wrong response to trouble. Look in verse number 13. Jeremiah 8, verse number 13. And the Bible says, I will surely consume them. See, this is really light and uh, positive. I will surely consume them, saith the Lord. There shall be no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the, the fig tree. And the leaves shall fade, and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. Then verse 14 says, Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves, and let us enter into the defense cities, and let us be silent there. For the Lord our God hath put us to silence, and given us water of gall to drink, because we have sinned against the Lord. We looked for peace, but no good came. And for a time of health, and behold, trouble. And I want to look at these three verses this morning, and look at a wrong response to trouble and so that we don't make some of the same mistakes uh, that these folks made as well. Lord, I do pray just again for your, your help as we look into these verses. Lord, that I would present them clearly and correctly. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There, I see three things here in these uh, three verses, or, and uh, really two of these three verses, that will help us understand the wrong response to trouble, because we want to make sure that when trouble comes that we respond correctly, that we do it the right way. And so we see in verse number 14, and verse number 13 is the trouble that is coming. And it's, and it's a little bit more than what's just in verse 13. But the Lord says He's going to consume them. Uh, there's, their blessings are going to stop. As it says in verse 13, there's no grapes on the vine or figs on the fig trees, and the leaves shall fade. And the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. So you think about the things that God has given them, the blessings, the, uh, the land, the deliverance, and all these things that God has given them. And now he's saying uh, those things are going to be removed from them because of their sin. And again, they're deep in idolatry. They have left God. They have left the ways of God. They're doing their own thing. And uh, God is obviously fed up with it here at this point. And so then the people in verse 14 now are responding to the fact that they're getting ready. If you read through the earlier parts of Jeremiah 9 and we read through, we understand what's coming. They're going to be overtaken by the enemy. That's the, the idea of what's about to happen. God is going to allow the enemies of God to have success over God's children because God's children have left God altogether. And so the question that is formed in verse number 14 and point number one today is a wrong response to trouble is no hope, to have no hope. And in verse 14 it says, Why do we sit still? 
Um, Assemble yourselves and let us enter into the defense city and let us be silenced, uh, silenced, in silent there. And so we have this interesting thing here. They're looking at themselves. They're not doing anything. They're not preparing. They're not uh, trying to train. They're not trying to get ready for the enemy to come. They are literally just doing nothing. And so the question is formed, why do we sit still? Why are we sitting out here in the fields where we've farmed and where we've uh, lived and everything like that? We need to go to the defense city. Now that makes sense. We need to go to a city that has walls, a city that, that uh, gives some security. But then when they say we're going to go to this defense city, they also say, uh, and let us be silent there. In other words, we're here doing nothing. Let's go over there and do nothing. We're here uh, preparing to fail. Let's go over there and prepare to fail. There is movement, but there is no change. There, there really is this action of, uh, or this thought of there's no hope. Now, some people would say, well, if there's no hope, then why not just stay where they were? But uh, nonetheless, we see that they are first slow to, to action. And this idea of not having hope, of thinking there is no hope, there is very slow movement to action. They know the judgment's coming, and so then the question is, is why are we sitting here? Why are we, why do we sit still? Um, they finally came to the, the realization that we're not doing anything. We are sitting ducks where we are. Uh, and so there is action, but they're very slow to transition in that action, to move to where that, uh, that, that at least a little bit of defense comes. But in this action, not only are they slow to action, they're also committing empty action. Because they say, we're sitting still here, let's go to the defense city and be silent there. Let's go there and, and basically sit inside the wall instead of outside the wall. So it's something, but at the end of the day, it's not really doing anything. They're just going to be silent somewhere else. They're going to sit and do nothing uh, instead of fighting and failing is kind of the mentality that they're having. Let's go into the defense city, but still be silent. Um, we're going to do nothing and fail instead of doing something and failing. Instead of even giving effort, instead of even trying. Basically, the actions that we are committing, they're still empty, they're vain, there is no hope. That's the way they look at it. And sometimes when trouble comes, we have that same mindset of there is no hope. Um, we, we can fall into the, in, um, and it's not even just talking about just about depression, but we can fall into that mentality of there's just, what's the, what's the point? There's, there's no hope. I feel like sometimes when sin comes and is tempting and is trying and, and we're trying to gain victory over the sin and, and we fail again and then we fail again and then we fail again and finally we just go, you know what, there's no hope. What's the point? Why should I even try to fight against this temptation? There are addicts, there are people who struggle with uh, alcoholism and they, um, they, they, they try and they work and they, they try to recover and then they relapse. And then they'll, they'll try again to recover and recover, recover, and then they'll relapse. And sometimes they just go, you know what, what's the point? What's the, the point of going through all that effort to uh, have victory over this? I'm just going let it, to let it take its course. And that's a sad mindset to be in, and as a Christian, uh, there is no reason for us to ever have the point of no hope. Now, there's times where we don't understand. There's times where, we don't, uh, where we're praying and we're asking God for help, and God's saying, I want you to go through this trial as opposed to delivering us from the trial. He says, this trial is for a purpose in your life. And we say, but God, I don't, I don't understand that purpose. 
God, I don't, I don't want this trial. Um, I don't know about you, I've never wanted the trial. And, uh, and we say, God, I, I, I don't get it, but there's still the understanding there should be, if we're a Christian, that there is at least hope, hope in God, hope that God's way is the best way. Hope to understand that, that no matter what I'm going through, um, if I just give in to it, um, it's, I'm not going to come out better for it. But if I trust God in it and know that I have the hope of God with me, uh, then I know that even if I don't understand the purpose, I can have hope that there is a purpose and that there's a better purpose for it. Then another reaction or wrong response to trouble is having no protection whatsoever. In verse number 14, in the second part of the verse, it says, For the Lord our God hath put us to silence and given us water of gall to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. Here we see the understanding that God is angry. And because God is angry, it's the, the knowledge of there is no protection. And sometimes when we're going through trials as a result of our sin, as a result of something that we did, that we are understanding it is punishment. And not every trial is punishment. We need to understand that because there are people who teach if you're going through, if you're having trials, that means you've done something wrong. Remember Job? Job was going through trials and his friends said, Job, what did you do? What caused this? What, what sin did you commit to make you go through this? And, you know, you look at Job's story, and as a Christian, you see all the blessings that come at the end of the story, but I have to admit, I'd say, Lord, I don't need all those blessings. I just don't want to go through what Job went through. Job went through some really, really intense, tough things. Um, and, uh, but Job felt and believed that he had God's protection. And uh, the, his friends, though, were saying, God's angry at you. And sometimes when we're going through trials, it is, though, because of something that we did. And God is angry at us. And when God is angry at us, we have to understand our protection is not the valid. It's not there. And uh, here it says that God gave them water of gall to drink, meaning bitter and even the, the idea of intoxicating. Um, it's going to influence me in a negative way. I think it's in Psalms. It may be in Proverbs. It talks about drinking the wine of... Oh, now the word just slipped me. Um, oh, no. Kind of ruins the whole point. Uh, but it has the idea of the fact that my sin has caused me now to be um, uh, um, intoxicated or influenced in a way that's not helpful, it's not good. You think about alcohol, and I've never personally experienced it, but uh, you see people who are drunk and they don't, can't walk straight. You see the videos of the police having them walk uh, in that uh, heel to toe. I can't even do that sober. Um, I was at a, a thing with the police chaplain, and they had a guy in there talking about just the, the going through these tests, and well, there's the tests, and they said, let's have somebody come up here and do these tests, and I was the youngest guy in the room. And uh, so they asked me to come up, and I told them, I said, for what it's worth, I don't have good balance. And so I'm up there walking heel to toe, and, you know, after about seven steps in, I kind of fall off the line, and, and uh, I'm like, oh, man, they're going to all think I'm drunk. And they didn't think that. But nonetheless, uh, we see those things where they can't think straight, can't walk straight, can't drive right, can't talk uh, coherently, all those kinds of things because of the alcohol has influenced them. And, uh, and that's exactly what this water of gall that they're talking about. It's bitter. It doesn't, it's not good. It doesn't taste good. And it influences. It, it, it messes up your, uh, uh, the way that you think and the way that you do. And God's anger 
here that's kindled towards them basically has us to the point where they are now unable to protect themselves because of the lack of protection that is there. And it's all a result of their sin against God. In verse number 19, it says, Behold, the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people, because of them that dwell in the far country, is not the Lord in Zion, is not her king in her. Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? It is a reminder of this, that God is angry, and because they have sinned against God, He has removed the protection from them. Now, does He wipe them off the face of the earth? No, but there is going to be a very severe consequence for their sin, and not just their sin, their refusal to get right when they've been approached. Because God has given them the chance to get right, as He does with all of us, before the punishment comes. If you will return, if you will come back, then there is going to be a less severe consequence for this, and yet still they refused. In Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Sin does separate us from God. And in doing so, our sin then leaves us without protection. And so when we have our response to trouble and a wrong response to trouble, the first wrong response is having the mindset of there is no hope. The second wrong response is, is being left without protection. And the, the point of that is, is that we can have protection. God will and, uh, protect and help and defend us. But it's going to take a returning to God if the trial is a result of, uh, of our sin. If it's a result of, uh, uh, not because of us, if it's not something that we did and we're just going through a trial, we shouldn't have the mindset of, I don't have any protection, because then we do have God protecting us. And that means different things, obviously, and I, I, I understand that, because there are times where we go, well, it doesn't seem like God protected. Um, I, I oftentimes will use the illustration of uh, young people and a kid that worked for me at the ranch um, he was 17, I believe, when he died in a car accident. And you would say, well, you know, well, did God protect him? And I would argue he did. I would argue that he's better off where he is now. But on this earth, it sure, you sure look at it and go, boy, just the loss, the hurt, um, everything that comes with that, you, you, just, you wonder what's happening. Maybe God was protecting him from things that would have come up in the future. I don't know. Um, those are things you can ask God about when you get to heaven. But to understand that if my trial is not a result of my sin, I do have protection. I have God's protection to help me uh, through this all. Wrong responses to trouble, number one, no hope. Number two, the mindset of no protection. And then number three, and lastly, is no foresight. No foresight, and this isn't something that would be normal, I don't think brought up, but in verse number 15 it says, We looked for peace, but no good came, and for a time of health, and behold, trouble. So they said we were, we were wanting, we were desiring, we wanted peace, but yet we have war. And then we wanted health, and yet we have trouble. We, we are wanting these things, it's what we're looking for, and, and yet we're not getting it. Well, you can look for peace all you want, but if what you're doing is going to cause war, you have to understand peace ain't coming. It's like the people who say, we don't want to argue, yet they're arguing. Um, pastors and Christians are as bad at this as anybody. 
you know, oh, I don't want to fight. I don't want any trouble. <laughs> but here comes the fight. <laughs> here comes the trouble. Uh, and honestly, it happens. It's not just Christians. It's everybody in the world, it seems like, uh, does this. But uh, there's no foresight to understanding. If you wanted peace, there's a way to get peace. Yet everything that you've done is not going to bring peace. No good's going to come from it. You say you wanted health, yet uh, everything that you've done is producing trouble. And there was no foresight to understand, even though God had warned them many, many times, even though God had told them many, many times, if you continue in this path, trouble is coming. They didn't have the foresight to understand. All we have to do is stop. All we have to do is stop worshiping idols and turn to God. All we have to do is do right. Bob Jones Sr., who founded Bob Jones University, had the sermon, Do Right. Do right, do right, do right. Do right till the stars fall. It's just about doing right. And it sounds so simple, and I know it's not as easy as it sounds, but it is easier than we make it out to be just to do right. Just to do the things that God is pleased with. Just to do the things that God is asking you to do, that God is telling you to do. Just do those things, and, and good can come, and health can come, as opposed to trouble. In verse 16, it says, The snorting of his horse was heard in Dan. The whole land trembled at the sound of the neighing of his strong ones. For they are come and have devoured the land and all that is in it, the city and those that dwell therein. For behold, I will send serpents, cockatrices among you, which will not be charmed, and they shall bite you, saith the Lord. The enemies are coming. Well, we sought peace. Well, the enemy's coming. Well, we sought health. Yeah, well, discipline's coming. Discipline is hazardous to your health. Um, at least good discipline typically is. Uh, discipline typically means that something is going to be negative uh, on you in some way, shape, or form. Um, if you get disciplined at work, it could be uh, time off without pay. Um, if you get disciplined by the government, it could be imprisonment. If you get disciplined by a parent, it could mean a number of different things. But discipline means something negative happens to you as a result of you doing something negative, you doing something wrong. And discipline is coming here in this case. The enemy is coming. And they say, well, we looked for peace, but they had no foresight to know that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. It, it shouldn't be a shock. It shouldn't be a surprise that we looked for peace and no good came. And too often times in our life we go, but God, I, I went to church on Sunday. And he says, yeah, but what did you do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday? One good action, so to say, doesn't make up for a week worth of, of inaction. Uh, one good day of obedience doesn't make up for a week worth of disobedience. The Catholics oftentimes fall into this mindset. Well, I'll just go to confession. Number one, confessing to a priest doesn't do anything for you. Confession to God is what makes a difference. And uh, the mindset of I can live the way I want to during the week and make it right on Sunday, it's not the way God has put it out for us in the Bible. God desires daily surrender to Him. God desires daily obedience to Him. God desires uh, daily following Him, reading His Word, praying to Him. And he doesn't intend for it just to be a one-day-a-week or a two-day-a-week instance. And so when we say, well, I looked for peace and no good came, I would ask you, what's the purpose for no good coming? And the end of verse 14, it says, because we have sinned against the Lord. 
So they understood the gall that, that God gave them and the silence that God gave them, yet they were surprised that no good came from their looking for peace and that the trouble came when they were looking for health. Verses number 18 through 22 talk really about this idea that God uh, tried to help them or warn them, and they just refused to listen. In verse 20, the harvest is past and the summer is ended. We are not saved. The idea of it's too late. Uh, the time has passed now. God's mercy was offered. God's grace was offered. And we rejected it. And now it's no longer there to be harvested. The enemy's here. And a lot of times the enemy arrives, whether it be Satan, whether it just be general trouble that comes in the world, it arrives because we've handled it wrongly to begin with had the wrong response to trouble by showing or by believing that there is no hope when there is hope by uh, not having the protection that was granted to us if we just simply follow God and by not having the foresight that if we do wrong no good's going to come of it the Bible teaches us that the the end of the path that that sin leads to is death it is problems it is trouble and by obeying God, we can know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that obey God. A lot of times we end the verse with all things work together for, for good. That's not where the verse ends. It takes obedience and following and loving God for things to work out for good. And that doesn't mean, and I've said this over and over again, but it doesn't mean that hard times aren't going to come and that trouble's not going to come. But when that trouble does come, how are you going to respond to it? Are you going to respond to it with hope or with the idea of, well, I just give up? Are you going to respond to it with, God, I need your protection, God protect me? Or are you going to go about the mindset of that the fact that you have no protection? And are you going to have the foresight to know, hey, I know that what I'm going through isn't good, but I know that because I follow God, I can expect God to work through this? Or are you going to go through the idea of no foresight, no knowledge of what is to come, no thinking ahead of, um, well, yeah, because I've sinned, there's probably going to be problems coming. Okay. If you haven't been sinning, if you've been living godly, then the foresight should encourage you. And if you have been disobeying God, then the foresight should scare you. And it should motivate you to get right with God and do right moving forward. There's a lot of more in this chapter that we could cover, but that's what I wanted to cover this morning. And uh, this afternoon, we're going to look at a different... We're going to go out of Jeremiah for the afternoon service uh, this afternoon uh, for a brief time as well. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for letting us come again this morning. Thank you for letting us meet together. And uh, God, we're so thankful that even, even though we are in some different guidelines within our state, we are still allowed to meet together, and we're so thankful for that. God, I pray that you would help us now as... As trouble does come in our lives, Lord, would you help us to handle it correctly with the right responses? Lord, as a Christian, as your child, there are so many things that we can look to in a positive sense. Hope, protection, understanding of, of who you are and what you can do for us. And God, I pray that as trouble arises, Lord, that we would not handle it incorrectly. God, that we would not run further from you, but God, that we would draw closer to you. And God, I pray that you would help us to handle the trials that come in our lives correctly. And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. We will